Recorded live, here and there, it's Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. Today my guest is the Reverend Meredith Cox and their pronouns are they, them. In this episode, I speak with Meredith about holding space for trans and gender diverse folks who are beginning their journey as their authentic selves, religious rights as we mark transition milestones, and what it means to be a spiritual queer in Tennessee. We will get to my interview with Meredith right after this short break. Hey folks, if you're anywhere near Rochester, New York on July 28, 2021, come check out the Rochester Summer Pride Comedy and Storytelling Show at the Comedy at the Carlson. As a portion of the proceeds will benefit the Rochester LGBTQ plus mutual aid group. The show is being produced by myself and Transformation Thursday podcast, General Counsel Jamie Rodriguez. We have an incredible lineup of comedians and storytellers, including Sarah Cannon, Kai Von Doom, Mrs. Kasha Davis, Cindy Arena, and our token cishet comedian, Todd Youngman, and making her Rochester, New York stage debut is Jamie Rodriguez herself. Tickets are going fast and are available at carlsoncomedy.com. For your tickets, that's carlsoncomedy.com. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens, and after that break, my pronouns are still she, her. As we mentioned in the introduction, Meredith Cox is joining us. They are here from Nashville, right? Is that where you're coming to us from tonight, Nashville? You nailed it. Yes, Nashville, Tennessee. (laughs) My big question for Nashville is, can I still go to the bathroom there? Let's do it. (laughs) I'm giving full ordained permission for any bathroom you please. You use it, Nashville, okay? (laughs) Yeah. There's just some crazy things going on in the United States these days. And Nashville has just kind of seemed to... Not Nashville, I would say Nashville is probably more liberal. Tennessee. That's right. That's right. Tennessee. So, yeah. Nashville would not want us to be looped into all that you think about Tennessee. (laughs) Having been to Nashville a few times for business and pleasure travel, I I agree with that. I concur. I could see that happening. So, you know, it is. Yeah. Nashville is a big entertainment area. So you know, with country yeah. music and everything. So there's still that creative vibe there that's different from the West rest mm-hmm. of the state. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Meredith, you're, you're on here because we met a couple months ago, uh, just skip some background through the University of Wisconsin. It was a um, gender healthcare seminar. I can't even remember the name of it. It was put on through University of Wisconsin-Madison. But it was really interesting. And you and I had some side conversations through Zoom and we've continued chatting. So, but you're, you're in the ministry, you're a reverend and you say them, you have they, them pronouns. So there's a a lot to work with there. So where do you (laughs) want to go with this? This is, this is, this is your interview. So you you direct me. Gosh, well, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, just sort of explain all those pieces. I know they don't totally make sense together usually but yes i am ordained in the presbyterian church usa i've got many titles reverend is one we use teaching elder minister of word and sacrament whatever your pleasure um i've been ordained about two years now and i use they them pronouns i've been using these pronouns for four years and and my initial coming out was eight years ago. So I can definitely say I knew I was 
sort of an interesting path, but I knew I was going to be in the ministry when I was teeny, you know, child saying, I'm a preach one day. And the sexuality and the gender came a little later, but thankfully I've had great people in my life that have encouraged me keep going, you know, and to make yeah. my mark in that ordained world. Couple, a couple questions that jump out of me there. So let's Let's talk about first. So a lot of people that get involved with ministry and the denominations that I'm aware of that are very similar to yours refer to it as a calling. Am I correct? So yes, that's a good word. So you've had this calling in your life, like you said, since you've been a young child. So how do you Mm -hmm. how do you describe that to people and say this is what I've been called to do, (laughs) but yet I've also been called by God, Heavenly Father, whatever that power is that we ascribe to deity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for, and we'll get to the gender stuff and, you know, and sexuality, as you <laughs> mentioned, but let's start with, yeah. so how do you describe that call, especially in our communities to people wow. and say, this is what I've been called to do? Yeah. I, I mean, such a great question. And throughout my life, the answer to your question has changed. You know, I grew up in outside of Atlanta, grew up in circles that were a bit more conservative. And the call to ministry was something really particular. You were meant to put your finger on a moment when you knew. And I just always knew I was, you know, on this path and it really started in middle school. I said, I'm going to be the youth pastor someday. I just could not think of anything more fun than like eating pizza at church which is probably still true for me. <laughs> Although I don't I don't actually spend as much time as at church as I used to. So I've I I had a couple different callings. I was following youth pastor, then it was young adult minister, then it was chaplain, then it was back to pastor and truthfully I kind of see myself as all of those things. Depends on the day and I love that fluidity in a calling and where I sit right now I'm loving being a chaplain because being a chaplain being in spiritual care especially in the medical setting gives me a lot of freedom to move away from judgment to move away from what's right theology and just ask people like what's getting you through the day and queerness floats in and out of that so much for me especially as an embodied and I do identify as transgender transgender so as a transgender person showing up with the title reverend there's just like holy spirit fireworks going off kind of all the time in my work yeah that's 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 pretty amazing and you you mentioned the medical background there so you know what does a typical day for meredith look like (laughs) there isn't Uh, one right there's not i have done you know just about every version of medical chaplaincy you can think of. I've done the adult hospital. I've done children's hospital, psychiatric hospital. I did. Um, I did hospice most recently, and and so what it looks like to be the chaplain in each of those spaces is really different. Yeah. But it's that same embodying, you know, meeting someone wherever they are at and saying, you know, being a listening ear, non-judgmental, non-anxious presence making space for something that's not, you know, it's a different plane than the medical field. It's the spiritual, emotional realm. And what's really fun is my days right now are, are pretty interesting. I'm actually kind of crafting what spiritual care looks like for LGBTQIA patients specifically. Um, 
and I'm doing a lot of dreaming up what that looks like to have spiritual care for our community, even though a lot of us have been told that we don't deserve it, we haven't earned it, but there's so much possibility and joy when we take up that space anyways. A couple of questions jump out here at me, and this is the, you know, you have such a calming presence in our conversations that we've had and, you know, and tonight here on, on this Zoom, but you know, when you're, when you're in those, especially in a hospice moment where somebody is preparing to pass away and they are yeah. working with their spirituality or they're coming to grips with their mortality, you know, and you can decline to answer this. So you can always decline to answer any <laughs> one of my questions. But I mean, at that point of their life, I would imagine that listening non-judgmental ear is more important than Meredith, they, them, or Meredith, whatever that yes. sexuality is. It's it's just you being there and that unconditional yes. positive regard is what we say in the mental health side of it. So I think yes. that's is what yes. comes through, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's that for me was really the blessing and the curse. I, you know, wasn't showing up in my full queer identity. And that's a word I use pretty comfortably. I know it's not for everyone, but for me, it really, really helps define myself. But, you know, just showing up as a chaplain, I could drive out to the country way outside of Nashville and show up as a spiritual presence and, sh and be able to do these spiritual acts that a lot of people who I met would not otherwise have received from me if they knew <laughs> my life and my identity. So it really was exactly what you said. It's, it, in my opinion, it's not the time to change those hearts and minds, especially someone leaving this life. There's just a different kind of support to bring to that person and the family, especially around grief work, you know, imminent grief, um, just that cycle of grief. We never really get past it. So I really, I'm so thankful for the time I spent sort of digging in deeply into those life or death cycles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I can say at the same time, I'm so grateful now to try out a different way of being a chaplain where I have for the first time my pronouns on a pin. And I never thought that was helpful before, but now to get to take up space for someone and to visit with trans youth i've did a bit of that in the children's hospital and to walk in and say these are my pronouns that i'm a reverend the chaplain and uh it's it's life-changing for them but especially their parents they've never seen i mean a lot of folks have never seen a trans adult before thriving and living and we we're still here so that's where i find the most joy and the most fulfillment it's that meeting of those two places and that's where I want to go from here. I've, I will never lose those lessons. But just like you said, finding that space to continue to educate and show up as Meredith Thedom, Reverend, <laughs> all of those things. Well, and I, and I think, you know, having spent some time in the healthcare setting recently for some procedures that I've been through and the medical attention I received, it's you know, you wearing a they, them pin, you know, a nurse wearing a rainbow bracelet, whatever that is. Yes. For those of us that understand those symbols, those speak mm -hmm. the thousand words. And I use yes. that very specifically. And for those that don't really pay attention, it's innocuous enough that they don't pay attention mm -hmm. to it. Is that what you're seeing? Oh, for sure. Yes. If you know, you know. <laughs> and, and just, just like you said, like, 
what's so beautiful about it to me is like that is spiritual work and i and i can say that you know that's also emotional work because i don't want to put spirituality on anyone but it, it's a revolutionary act to see someone's badge represent something that you need especially in the medical field where we are not set up well so when i get to sit in a room with a trans youth who's about to consent to hrt hormone replacement therapies it's is revolutionary that we are together in that space celebrating in that space especially in tennessee we've got to keep doing that and that's that's kind of my my latest joy is finding more spaces like that for the youth but also the adults who are finally getting the treatment they've deserved this whole time yeah i got to imagine that's you know there's so much judgment that goes into HRT, you know, I, I received mm-hmm. it, you know, from well-intending friends, you know, you're sure you want to do this or, you, you know, and, yeah. you know, and you get it and, and I didn't get anything drastically negative, but I can imagine some of those kids, that's all they've gotten is drastically mm-hmm. negative. So to have you there in that moment has to be so yeah. comforting, especially in their eyes, you know, you're representing God at some point, right? Yeah. Well, that's, it's, this is an interesting point. Um, so when I have sat in on a few of those visits, I've actually not been there as a chaplain. <laughs> I've been there as a volunteer and Vanderbilt has a program called the trans buddy okay. program and any trans person receiving care at Vanderbilt can call and ask that a volunteer would sit with them Aww. for any procedure, any visit. And so that's why I was in that room is I was, you know, I said, I'm here as a trans buddy. Would you like me to sit with you? And this, a few of the youth I met said, yes. And so it's, I mean, what's so interesting is like, to me, that is the spiritual work because you're advocating, you're being a presence, that compassionate, you know, celebration, whatever emotions are there. That's sort of my job is to make space for them. But I was also there not as the reverend that day. So there's just so much beauty and potential even you know i i just that's where i said i don't think you need to be ordained to do the sacred work because it's really hard to get <laughs> ordained especially for lgbtqia plus folks still like just go up show up in your community and be that presence for someone well and you mentioned being ordained and how hard it is you know what, your denomination you said presbyterian usa correct Yes, that's right. Okay, so what's what's their history with LGBTQ oh, issues? Lord, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> we don't need to go that deep, but I mean, yes. where'd they come from? Like a lot of religions, we yes. know it wasn't super positive, but you know, where are they that's at right. now? Yeah, well, hopefully, there's not too many Presbyterians listening because I don't know the official dates of all of these things. But fair enough. Fair enough. It, it, it was probably less than 10 years ago. I think 20, it was 2014, the last time our polity was changed at our national level. And the polity change, uh, which was so fought for, advocated for by incredible groups of people. I was just, you know, sort of growing up in this moment. So I wasn't a part of it. I was just a huge benefactor. Like I got so much from it because the church, uh, voted that we were able, our ministers were able to perform same-sex weddings and also that we could have out LGBTQ ordained ministers. And those two things 
changed our church and also didn't. A lot of churches in the Presbyterian denomination have not made those choices for themselves. We, you know, the congregations are able to decide if they want to participate. But as a denomination, we are affirming, accepting. There's no amount of power that you can't achieve as an LGBTQ plus person. Is it easy to get a job as a Presbyterian minister and be queer? No, it's still really hard. And there's only a handful of us who were out as trans when we were ordained. So it's still really new. I mean, that's 2018 up to now. So it's a really beautiful place. I've found my home. I grew up this denomination. So the fact that they made space for me right when I needed it is God working in my life, but we still have so much to do for sure. So you're on the front side of this change is what you're saying. I can tell you with confidence, I'm the second out transgender person in my denomination. Wow. That comes to be with... ordained. There are more. <laughs> there are more. But do you feel some special responsibility because of that? You know, do you feel like... I, you... Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I feel immense gratitude. And, and I was ordained here in Middle Tennessee. So people in a country church it, outside of Nashville voted yes to me, which I was not expecting. But to be made a way in, to be given leadership and encouraged has been a real gift. And it's one of the reasons that I continue to educate, especially churches, about language for God, language for one another. If I have to hear brothers and sisters again, I'm going to walk out the door. Like we need more options that make more space. And it, it does get taxing because you're, you're fighting for yourself. Like you're trying to make space for yourself. But for all the people that did it before me and made that space for me, I'm absolutely here to do it for the next generation. All right. So one softball question, I'm going to throw you a more of a harder pitch. Okay. So, so the softball okay. question is, so you said, if you have to hear brothers and sisters one more time, you're going to walk out the door. That's right. That's but right. What's the language that Meredith prefers? Okay. This is my game. I want to hear, I'm not going to take it away from you. I know a lot of churches needed to add sisters, a lot of, especially in the, I am Christian. So I think a lot about these things in the church context, but a lot of churches needed to add sisters to brothers. I just want to add siblings. I just want one gender neutral, inclusive, non-binary welcoming word. For me, that's siblings, that's family of God, that's people of God. And we can do so much more of that, you know, for, especially for God, like in my mind, God is not a man. <laughs> And Jesus with hands. So all right. So this leads to question number two. Okay. So you talk about the language of God, and this is something that I'm I'm I know so much about to be dangerous with. So that just means I don't know very much. So how do you explain to somebody who says, No, God is a he? And I'm just but then we go back and say we look at some, and this is kind of where my really shallow knowledge comes in but if you but from what i've understood and read have listened to in different podcasts and readings is no some of that old hebrew is actually a little bit more Mm -hmm. nuanced than what we got with the king james version so how do we have this conversation with people (laughs) okay this is i think about this a lot part of the issue is 
it will depend on how you view the Bible for how far you can go. And I, you know, grew, I was born into a Baptist, Southern Baptist church. I went to a Southern Baptist college where I thought I would, you know, be a minister, even though I was yeah. female at that time. But I met professors at the Baptist school that made space for a really generous reading of the Bible. It's, it's really, you know, like socio-aware, historic reading of the Bible. So things that are challenging, things like women should not preach or be in the pulpit, just aren't relevant to our life today. I know a lot of Christians don't agree, but this is my interpretation. I we're think talking, there's so we're, much we've moved. We're, we're talking Second Timothy there, right? See, Amy, you know more than I do. I just, I know enough to avoid. I, but yes, that's right. Second Timothy. This has just turned into a Bible quiz and I'm here for it. Okay. Um, but you, but the thing you mentioned about the Hebrew text is absolutely true. The one example that I'm always thinking about is the Hebrew word for spirit is a feminine noun. And I'm, saying that and so worried that this is wrong but it's well, i'm pretty sure here because the spirit is feminized so if you have if we believe in the trinity which is controversial in its own right and confusing but if we do you know we if you need to say that god is a father well can we say that the spirit is mother feminine can we say that jesus embodying both of those pieces is born male but has multiple genders inside jesus can understand what it is to live multi-gendered i don't know but i'm here for it because it makes space for me and people like me to re-enter the text if jesus was born by a virgin and impregnated okay. by a feminine spirit why not jesus does not have a y chromosome then Okay, I love it. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think, this is just where I sit, I don't think Jesus has any ill for that sort of creative exercise, like more space, more power to us. Why not? Well, and if we look who Jesus hung around with. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he was not hanging out with the televangelists. He was not hanging out with, you know, conservative business folk. Yes. I don't think he would have been part of any IPOs. No. I think he would have been with the poor, downtrodden, trans mm -hmm. woman of color. Yes, absolutely. Who was forced into sex work for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. And I think those are the people Jesus would be reaching out to in love and compassion. Yes. yes. That's my thought process. No, it's, I mean, it's so true. And it's, it's actually there in the Bible. We just have been taught to ignore it. There's a story in Acts about an Ethiopian eunuch. who the is First convert the to the Christian church. Yes. And, and for me, the eunuch is another way. It's another road in like somebody whose gender is not the, like, you know, that, that piece is marginalized this person in some way. And it's that person that says, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Nothing. Nothing. So let's just open it up. <laughs> well, and we, we had a while back, like, oh gosh, almost probably early pandemic. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Peterson Toscano. 
Um, but I'll no, send you I'll send you a link so. to his yeah I'll send you a link to his episode with us and he does a podcast called the Bible Bash Pop podcast and you would love it and one yeah. of the and Peterson is an openly gay man went through conversion therapy but you know he talks a lot about this stuff and this is where a lot of my education has come from is eunuchs were the third gender of mm-hmm. biblical times you had male yeah. female and eunuchs and eunuchs. Right go through the Hebrew scripture and into the Christian scripture. So there's this long history. And like you said, it's there, but Mm -hmm. we ignore it. And he even makes a fantastic case of saying that Joseph sold into Egypt Mm -hmm. may have been non-binary trans because he liked to dwell with the women in the tents. And if you think of the technicolor dream coat, you know, why would his... Uh. Why would his relatives be so upset? So some some interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff yes. there that I like. Yes. I mean, we could do this the whole time because you know, David and Jonathan, Ruth and Naomi, it's some of the most sensual pieces of the Bible, like the most romantic pieces are same sex folks. And I'm using quotes there because, you know, I think sex and gender, we understand it differently. But there's so much that we that we have to work with and to not be afraid of it and to take up that space and say, my story's there too. Yeah. And I think a lot of us that, you know, you know, you know, and I don't know about you, but when I know when I was at that point of, you know, fully coming out or still trying to like that last moment of like, am I really going to come out and do this? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I come from, you know, I grew up Lutheran, but I converted to the Mormon church as an adult. And, I, you know, and there's this thing of like wrestling with God, you know, that earnest prayer, mm-hmm. that desire. And one day, you know, I'm like, okay, either I'm going to fully accept who I am, or I'm just going to bury myself and just try to continue plowing forward, you know, and drive myself, you know, round and round still. And finally, you know, and I, was praying, I had this emotional breakdown. And finally, you know, there's this peace, this voice, whatever you want to say, this spirit that said, No, I accept you as who you are, continue on. Yeah. And yeah. And I want to look, you know, and I've had people in different denominations and religions say to me, Well, you can, you know, Jesus can save you and you just need to pray harder. I'm like, you know what, asshole? Excuse my French. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how much I prayed about this? So, you know, yes. it's, I don't think a lot of people that come from a different, that inerrant word of yes. that inerrant Bible yes. background understand what people like you and I and other queer folks go yes. through to accept who we are, especially if we come from yes. conservative religious backgrounds. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's it. Can I get an hallelujah? <laughs> no, we don't do that. Presbyterians, oh, you, don't, Presbyterians do that don't do that. Okay, sorry. Well, then I'll no, find a sound. I'll, no, I'll find a can't. sound. I'll find a sound effect for that. Then I love it. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in. Yep. All right. Yeah. Keep it in, Amy. Remember that as an editing note. Yeah, since I do my own editing too. So there you go. I love it. Yeah. So you grew up in a conservative. Presbyterian background and you go to a Southern Baptist and you, you, and you're dealing with all this and you're coming out and the the politics and the theology or the religion changes at least at some level for you. So how do you end up, you know, you, 
Princeton was Princeton was it theology yeah Princeton uh, seminary yeah Princeton seminary sorry so you're in Princeton seminary and after graduation what's your track to you know if it's okay you're at Vanderbilt now right I am yes okay I am but I do have to say I I am not representing the views of all Vanderbilt I I understand (laughs) you you get that yeah, I don't represent the views of anyone but myself. So I fully appreciate right. that. Yeah, exactly. I love so, it. What does what yeah. your career track look like? Oh, gosh. It's, you know, I, it's, I, I've really found this word just this week that I really have decided I like. What I feel called to do is be a spiritual queer. Mm-hmm. I just have to be a spiritual queer. Like, I just show up. I be myself. And I can do that in a lot of different settings. And I am happily doing it right now as a chaplain for other queer folks. Like it's some revolutionary shit to be, you know, sort of ordained for our community and and to take up that space, especially in a place like Nashville, to make space to say, you know, what blessings for our community do we need? Are we, you know, can we do a name changing ceremony? Can we do a reaffirmation of baptism with someone's chosen name and chosen family? Can we, you know, well, I want to do more weddings, baptism, funerals. I want to do it all for queer folks. I want that sort of accessibility to the community that's been told no for too long. Um, so it, I think it could look like a lot of things, but I'm happy to be in this inroad and and in Vanderbilt because, you know, Nashville is sort of finding its feet, I think, as an LGBTQIA plus friendly space. We have work to do and I'm hoping to be a big part of it. What a a beautiful idea to, you know, have spiritual ceremonies and rituals that Mm -hmm. mark these occasions in our lives beyond the legal, beyond the friends, beyond the family, that says, you know, a spiritual, the spiritual side of this matters. Yes. And yeah. so, and it can take on so many different forms. Have you been able to do anything like that yet? I, what if I, I mean, the biggest thing I feel like I've been able to do yet is to have a pride Sunday here in Nashville. And I mean, we had just Saturday marched in the pride parade as a denomination. We had the signs. And so Sunday morning we had those sort of protests, but you know, celebration signs at the front of the altar, and you know, all the liturgy was written written by me and by others, telling the story of God through the queer lens, and the rainbow flags were everywhere. It was it was really beautiful. So I'm a part of a church that does that every year, and what I love about that and and the idea of all these rituals is the community piece like it's it's spiritualizing us up like we are tapping into things larger to our than ourselves and we're also looking around at each other and saying like are you gonna uphold me in this are you gonna support me in this and when you see people who show up for you in that space who aren't lgbtq it's to me that that's sort of the point of church is showing up for each other worshiping god for sure and also digging into this community for highs and lows of every part of life. Well, and I think, you know, there's so much there, you know, and selfish me thinks right now, it's like, 
you know, I'm at a point I put this out. I, I wrote this in my journal and I said, you know, I feel like at some level my transition's complete as it's going to be. You know, mm. we continue to evolve as people through our lives, but yet I think I'm at a point now where my transition is complete as I think, you know, it's going to become as far as the medical stuff, the name change, the, you know, all the stuff that goes with that. So I'm thinking, yeah, all right, Meredith, maybe I should get on a Let's plane and get to Nashville and like have this like <laughs> transition yeah. complete ceremony, you know, and you know what that looks Let's like do to it. each end of, yeah. So I'm writing this down, transition complete liturgy. Yeah. Liturgy. This yeah. is something we need. Yeah. yeah that affirmation. For everything that you just named. Yeah, you know, but what that looks like to each person though is very different. But I think, you know, with a very good spiritual queer, with a spiritual <laughs> queer to advise you. By the way, I yes. think that's I think that's the name of this episode, the spiritual queer. Spiritual queer. So, yeah. So <laughs> I love it. But but why not have those celebrations? So that those are wonderful things to, you know, to yes. push forward yes. for our communities. And I'm just, I am hoping to do all of it. I'm, I'm just starting out at this. So maybe we should have a follow-up. <laughs> Check on me in a little bit of time when I've had some, some time to dig into what, what these things look like. I'll be your first ceremonial guinea pig. I mean, yeah. Yes. <laughs> probably yes, probably, should, probably shouldn't have an animal reference in there for a ceremonial. You're thing. right. You're right. No, that would be sacrifice. We don't need yeah, to do that. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not going back that far. We're not rocking right. the Hebrew scriptures that, that hard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe not. So, well, you know, we've been talking a little over a half hour. I mean, is there anything we're missing there, Meredith? I mean, anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, I would love to say just one more thing, sort of okay. about about growing up in the church. I I do want to characterize my a church I grew up in with, well, they were not conservative, but they were silent. And so being in the South, I was able to, I, I just, I did what any young person would do. I read into that silence, you know, that it's wrong to be mm-hmm. gay, that it's wrong. And, and so it took a lot of undoing. And so if, if there's sort of a message I want to give to churches is don't be silent. It's not serving us well. Continue to educate yourselves, continue to push those bounds and have those hard conversations because young people are watching and they need to know it's okay for them to be who they are. And we need to pay our, our spiritual queers to show up in your pulpits because nothing talks like money, but yep. also nothing talks like seeing your identity in a pulpit and knowing top to bottom that you are accepted in this place you're accepted by god so i just want to see more of that in our country i want to see and i think we will i think we're getting there with time did that silence for you feel like a closet you know it i it was and yeah and how do you break out of it it was it was a closet I did not even know I was in. I was I had not met any queer folks until I left college, broke out of that Southern Baptist world. And it was actually 
within my denomination that I found the affirmation, the queer leadership that I needed to understand and see myself for the first time. So it's really the church that gave me what I needed to make the next step, which is why I'm forever a Presbyterian. (laughs) It changed my life, even though it was already there. I think there's those folks who, who made a way to say, we're queer, we're here, <laughs> we're not going away in my denomination, made that space for me. And it was, you know, terrifying and awful. And at the same time, as soon as I knew, I shared it. I could not wait to share it. I had so many confirmations this year of service I did where it felt like rainbow lights were going off. Like I knew it was okay. I knew that I would be accepted, not by everyone, but I would have what I needed to keep going. And I'm really grateful I did. I, I'm i like sitting now in this awe that I, I feel like I've now become a professional queer and professional religious person. And somehow I'm doing it in Tennessee. I don't know what life is. I'm just grateful to be here. <laughs> what, what, a, what a wonderful statement of just being thankful for where you're at and yeah you know and it's when we get involved with those communities and we see other people that look act like us whatever it is that that validation is so important so yes yeah well meredith yeah well meredith cox i think this is a fantastic jumping off point because i do have to edit this so (laughs) yeah the little secret about your work is not done you know my work is not done here that the the little dirty secret about podcasting is editing's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure of it. Yeah. See, when I preach, I just say it. <laughs> you just say it. Yeah. Dumb. You get what you get. <laughs> you get what you get. Yeah. So, That's well, right. thank you so much to the spiritual queer Meredith Cox for coming on. I think, yeah, you, you just wrote yeah. the you just wrote the episode title right there, and ah. I think you should put that on your LinkedIn bio too. Oh, you're so right. My business cards are yet to be printed. Maybe I'll have that in. See what happens. Spiritual queer. Thank you, Amy, for having me. Thank you so much, Meredith, for keeping in touch. And we'll definitely touch base with you down the road to see how things are going. Until we do touch base with you next time, Meredith. Good night, everyone.